I'm Samantha Bove, and this is She's Too Much. This show is for the woman who's been told that she dreams too much, talks too much, cares too much, thinks too much, feels too much, needs too much. And I say it's about damn time that we are even more. Because that thing you think makes you too much is the exact thing the world needs more of. Let's get into it, Maddie. Okay. So as I just mentioned to you, so much of why I started She's Too Much is because I reached a point in my own life where I was just so tired of feeling like I needed too much in my relationships, that my desires for success and financial abundance were way too much for the communities that I was in, that my desire to connect with God and the universe was like just too much. My expression everything just felt like this is just way too much for society. And I believe that so many women are walking around with that sense that I'm too needy, I'm too emotional, I'm too sensitive, or I'm too greedy, I'm too ambitious, I shouldn't want to take up this much space, stems from the fact that we are living in a world that is systematically designed to optimize the health and success and wealth and productivity of men. And that women's bodies and what's actually going on in our bodies is not only not studied as much and hasn't been for millennia, but it is also considered like taboo to talk about the very thing that makes us a woman and also makes us have access to so much wisdom and empathy and depth. And so that's why I'm bringing Maddie on today. So welcome, Maddie, because she's teaching us how to connect. Yeah, thank you. That was so beautiful. I just, I was like, caught in listening to you. And, you know, obviously it makes sense why I'm here, right? Because a huge reason why women number one, just have all of these, this emotional capacity and how it fluctuates throughout what seems to be a lot of people like, I feel like every single month around the same time, I feel the exact same way. So our hormones, it's all because of our hormones. So I'm really excited to give some kind of like nerdy science behind why that happens. And, you know, I'm equal part science and woo woo. And so I love to use both and talk about both and both are applicable to everything, but especially to the female body and our cycles. So let's get into it. I'm so honored to be here and to connect with you. Yay, me too. Okay, so just for everybody who we can just satisfy off the bat, like who is this woman? Is she just like a new health coach? No, she's been doing this for over a decade, if not actually more, because your journey honestly started when you were about 10 years old. So Maddie's a board-certified integrative health practitioner. She's a woman's health hormone expert, clinical herbalist, founder of Peace Love Hormones podcast, which I've been binging, and it's so good. And after this, you have to go get into the nitty-gritty of things, and also the nutraceutical company, which is Peace Love Hormones, that she's like poured her entire life's work into these really, really, really supportive products to support hormones and a positive pain-free cycle. So Maddie, let's dive into it. So I think that there's a lot of shame that women carry around not knowing 
these things sooner in their life, not knowing that we have four very distinct phases that we go through as women where our hormones completely change and our body needs more or less food, sleep, our emotional capacity, our stress resilience, all changes every single week and honestly, every single day day of the calendar, so of the month. So I was wondering if we could just start with speaking to why we carry this shame and why we don't know these things by the time we're you know, menstruating women. Yeah. So let's start off with the shame aspect. You know, everyone has their own different backgrounds and childhood experiences and, you know, traumas also passed down in utero as well. So a lot of this is is generations of shame. So everyone has a unique story, of course, but I'll speak more on like the general, like what I see most often when it comes to shame around our cycles. More often than not, it's because we have been fed this idea from society as a whole that our cycles are something to be kind of tiptoed around. Like we don't really talk about it a lot. You even see in TV shows, I watched this video one time, this is probably like a year or two ago, it clipped together some of the most famous TV shows that there are, including like Modern Family, right? Like these TV shows that like so many people have tuned into throughout the years where there are these scenes where they're just like talking about how talking directly about how crazy women are or they're implying how crazy the the female characters in the show are and then they like go look at a calendar and they're like it's because she's on her period so there is a lot of uh stigma and stereotyping about like our hormones and our periods and how we you know act so emotional all the time but especially when we're on our period so there are all of these false narratives going around and just every part of society, right? Like, I think that all people, both women and men, are fed this from a very, very young age. So we have women growing up feeling shameful about it. We have a lot of men, again, generalizing here, right? But then we have the men who are uh, enforcing that idea as well, because they don't really want to talk about it. And if they do, it's in like a joking, sarcastic matter. So it's not just the people who make up our society, but also like the magazines and the TV shows and the the acting. And there's just so much information out there nowadays. And a lot of it just enforces this idea that women are super emotional. And it's kind of, it's weird. It's ironic because yes, we, I mean, we all have hormones, right? Like we need them. Our hormones really run the show and they dictate everything from the shine of our hair on a given day to our creativity, to our emotional capacity, to how our gut functions and how our brain functions. It's they're incredible. Like it's a good thing to be air quote emotional, right? But of course there is this negative common description for what being hormonal means and emotional and people imply that it's negative, but it's actually very positive. And men have hormones too. Men have cycles too. They're different than ours, of course. Their their cycles are more so based on the 24-hour circadian rhythm, whereas women in our reproductive years, we cycle. Of course, we have the circadian rhythm, but on a larger scale and very, very important scale that dictates our metabolic function, our brain function, all the things is our infradian rhythm. And that's about anywhere from 21 to 32, 34 days depending on the woman. So there is just a lot of misinformation out there. 
definitely not enough education as well. So it's just like on a systemic level, there's so much going on and has been going on for years and years and years and years that has enforced this notion that women are emotional and that implies that they're crazy. So that's where the shame comes from, generally speaking. Of course, like, you know, there are other things going on within people's uh, genes and, and their own lives and their families and generational trauma. So I don't discredit that, but just on a larger scale, that's where I see a lot of the shame coming from. And then the second part of your question was, I'm sorry, please remind me. (laughs) I just went on like a rant about, you know, that. That was perfect. I don't remember. So I'm just going to let it go. (laughs) But what you said, and I really think so everyone listening to this, you're going to walk away with like a much deeper understanding as much as we can cover in this hour. And you'll go over to to Maddie's podcast and her content to learn more. But you will, I think knowledge really alleviates and will reduce so much of that shame because you can start to really understand what's going on with your body and then work with your body from a place that's like really nurturing and really compassionate. But something that you said, I think is so important. And really, if you're listening to this and you know, you have some hormonal stuff going on and you want to be in sync with your cycle and you want to alleviate PMS symptoms, which we can talk about like what we both been our experiences overcoming and now viewing our cycle as something that's so precious and so important to us, right now you can decide to not continue this narrative that when you get your period or when you're approaching your period that like you're a bitch or you're crazy. Like I reinforced that so much in my life up until probably two years ago. And I allowed so many people around me my mom included, my ex included, to reinforce this narrative. And so like today, right now, you can say like, I'm actually not going to participate that in that anymore. And you can start to call in communities of women who love and celebrate the fact that they are hormonal beings. So I just want to put that out there for everyone. There's another way. Yes, absolutely. And I think you wanted to talk about this as well. I'm moving my microphone a little bit closer to me, but just how we live in a very patriarchal society. And so that also has to do with it too, you know? Everything about our world is very comfortable for like the male physiology and not so much for the female physiology. So I don't know if you or any of the listeners have seen Barbie yet. It may sound silly because it's like, why would you go see Barbie movie as an adult? It is not a kid's movie. It's actually like a very, it's it's fun for kids to watch because it's very colorful and the costumes are cool and because it's Barbie, right? But on like a very high level, like seeing, getting like a peek into how our society is set up, but from the inverse as if it were like women dominating everything and how that would be the answer either it's like the masculine and the feminine both or or the yin and the yang whatever you want to call it both hold such prominent places in society and in the world and in nature and we need both of them but how our world is set up now it's very tailored to the male rhythm the male physiology most research is done on men or male rats and most like i mean everything from medications to diets to everything is is mostly studied around men so it's really hard to you know figure out as a woman like what is good for me you know because i can't like really listen to the research that much unless it's you know representative of 
representative of women in my age group, you know, because that's a huge thing as well, because how like a woman going through menopause would treat herself is different than how I, I would treat myself right now, you know, and like my preconception years. So, oh, gosh, I could talk for so long about, you know, how society is set up to basically just to make women fail. And I don't say that to scare people because I'm definitely not like a fear tactic person. <laughs> I'm like the exact opposite. I say it to inspire people to listen to yourself more and to realize like, okay, I shouldn't feel bad. You know, I shouldn't feel guilty or shameful if, for example, I don't feel very creative right now and I kind of just want to be more relaxed. And oh, I'm also tracking my cycle. So I know that I'm about to be on my period. So that just makes sense, you know, and really just tailoring your life towards that to the best of your ability. And I understand some of us have jobs, perhaps that we can't just take like a week off, right? If you can power to you, do it. <laughs> but if you don't like that, it, it also doesn't mean that you like can't take care of your hormones and you can't take care of your cycle. If you do work like an office job, of course you still can. There are other areas of your life in which you can modify to support your hormones in your cycle. For example, and I'll just say this because just in case anyone's questioning in the background who's listening to this, but if you do work an office job, for example, and you're on your period, number one, if you have a female manager or boss, like most likely they will be much more understanding. <laughs> and you can say, hey, like I know X, Y, and Z projects are due. And so you maybe you work on it before your period and you get ahead of the game or you say, hey, can I have like a few extra days to just really make sure this is like perfect, you know? And then outside of like the, the office setting, in your own personal life, tailoring your social plans, tailoring the meals that you eat, tailoring your self-care practices to your the phase of which of the cycle in which you're in. So there's so many ways to support yourself. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter so much that we do live in this very like patriarchal world because you can still make it fit to your own needs. So, you know, I, I always just say that because after talking about like, I think it can kind of be a downer sometimes talking about how our world is so male focused and prioritized and dominant. And I think it can sometimes, uh, it brings up a lot of emotions for me. I'll just speak on my own emotions like anger and frustration and um, anxiety too, because I'm like, oh, what else is going to happen? <laughs> but, you know, to then like turn that into more positive emotions and be like, you know what, I can still take care of myself. I'm an independent, sovereign human being, and I'm going to continue to do the work on myself and take care of myself however I need to, which changes throughout my cycle. Totally. I think, you know, the first the reason why I like to share these things and the reason why I'm grateful that people do kind of expose like what has been going on in the medical system, like you did in a recent podcast, you were explaining how the FDA in the 70s took women of reproductive years, like for if they're in the years where they could be reproducing out of medical studies because they were deemed as risky. Mm -hmm. And that was that was like that for, I think it was over 10 years. And over, we're yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're still dealing with the repercussions of all of that. And like Maddie's saying, it's we share these things not to get you really angry, which I mean, feel your anger. I think it's really important. But to also realize like there's women like Maddie who have devoted their entire lives and their entire studies to researching how women can actually be the healthiest versions of themselves. And I think it's really exciting that we have all of these stats so that we can actually start to, you know, balance out, like you said, and make sure that everyone is really supported. And so 
Let's talk about the four phases of our cycle for those of us who don't know or those of us who need a refresher. And I think it's really helpful for me when I hear the phases and like what the most dominant qualities of those phases are and like our energy levels. I kind of like to picture like different versions of myself in each. So my ovulation, like little flirty bitch, and then like... (laughs) you know, my period inward intuit, intuitive writer. And like, so I want everybody as you're listening to this and probably listen back to it, think about the archetype that you embody or can strive to embody more of in each of, in each of these phases. So Matt, if you want to kick us off. Yes, let's start with what we commonly start off with in terms of talking about the four phases and also the phase that I'm in right now, which is the period, menstrual phase. So this is a lovely time where we shed about uh, one third of our uterine lining. The rest is actually reabsorbed. Most people don't know that. And I think that's just so cool. So I love to talk about that. Also, like, Side note, the amount of blood that we actually lose is very little. It's very diluted in other fluids and and liquids, water. Of course, there are women who are struggling with heavy bleeding, which please, please, please see a practitioner for that. But most of us, we're actually not losing a lot of blood. It's only like a few tablespoons per cycle, which is really cool. So I know, right? And then like even with it all being diluted, it's still only like a couple of shot glass worth, like so two ounce worth, a couple of those worth per cycle. It seems like a lot more, <laughs> I know for some of us, but it's really, it's not that much, or at least it shouldn't be that much. And, you know, you shouldn't be feeling too fatigued or depleted afterwards. But this is a time that our uterine lining is shedding symbolically it really depends on the person some women view it as the end of the cycle because you're releasing you're shedding some women look at it symbolically as the start of their cycle because they're starting fresh starting anew this is where it kind of irks me when people like get mad at other women for viewing it like the wrong way there's no right or wrong way it's like whatever feels best for you and your body so the hormones the two main sex hormones that women have are estrogen and progesterone And this is when those levels are just generally the lowest throughout the entire cycle. So naturally, we may be feeling a little bit more intuitive, lower energy, like, you know, you're probably not feeling like you want to go for a half marathon run and then go push yourself through, you know, a, a strength training and then head into work and then go be super social later that night. If you do, power to you. I also always recommend that women who do feel that way on their period question if it's really what's serving them or if it's society saying that we need to do that in order to be worthy and productive for that day. Just a a worthy introspective moment to kind of reflect on that. I also want to mention that our left and right brain are speaking, they have the highest connection and communication during this phase of our cycle. So our intuition truly, truly is just heightened during this time. And that also trickles a little bit into the follicular phase, which follows the period. So this is, you know, this is a time where you should really, really listen to yourself, like always listen to yourself, right? And always listen to what feels good in your body and what doesn't. But during this time, it's really worth noting what comes up for you in terms of, I'll just name a few examples, right? perhaps some friendships that are no longer serving you and it's really annoying you extra 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 right before and or while you're on your period 
listen to that because, you know, not saying you need to remove this friend completely unless, you know, that's the right thing to do, but maybe it's time to have a talk with this person in your life. Again, this could be a family member. This could be a friend. This could be your partner, right? Our intuition is really heightened as well with intuition and emotional intelligence. This is also the time to like have those conversations as well that maybe are a little bit tough because you're able to utilize both the right and the left side of your brain and you are just very like it's just a great time because you are able to really think about and process everything that you want to say but from a place of of love and kindness as well and an emotional intelligence so then you trickle into the follicular phase also none of these phases have like strict like cutoffs right or like starts a lot of them are kind of you just flow into them right and there are four phases because of how our hormones are changing. Our hormones are really like a up and down roller coaster, uh, a really fun, beautiful roller coaster throughout our cycle. And it's just easy, like scientists, you know, over time have just kind of defined these four phases because it's there are such big shifts at, you know, various intervals throughout the cycle. And there are four. It makes up four. So it just makes sense to have four. Some people do refer to the cycle as just two phases. So the follicular and the luteal phase. I feel like that doesn't do the other two phases uh, justice because, again, there are so many shifts going on, right? Like one of the phases, you're literally bleeding. So (laughs) I think there should be four. But for anyone listening, if you've ever seen like, oh, I've just seen it referred to before as like the first half and the second half. It's not, again, not right or wrong, but we can just get a little bit more specific and in-depth with each of the phases. So follicular, our ATP is starting to increase, which is our energy. So we start to feel a little bit more energized. We're a little bit more resilient to stress. So how this could translate into areas of your life are, for example, I see that for myself and so many women were able to, not only able to, but we actually desire to start to pick up and do a little bit higher intensity workouts during this time. So This is why it's super cool to track your cycle because you get to see not just tracking your cycle, but tracking your mood and your desires and your cravings all throughout your cycle because you can make correlations for yourself. But a lot of women like to go on like the jogs or go to that HIIT workout class or go to what's that one that everyone does? where you wear the orange theory, uh, a lot of people like to go, our berries like to go during this time and during the ovulatory phase as well, because again, our energy and our metabolic function are both ramping up. We tend to feel more social during this time. Our mood mood boosting neurochemicals are in high production thanks to estrogen. Estrogen is a lovely hormone when we have her in balance, in check. Estrogen is starting to ramp up. And with that, our neurotransmitter, our happy neurotransmitter production as well. So we feel better. We like feel happy and optimistic and creative and we feel more social. Again, this is all a range, right? Some people, of course, you know, feel these stronger than other people, but generally speaking, and our emotional intelligence is also still there and it's it's heightening. So that's the follicular phase. Getting into the ovulatory phase, which is the shortest one generally speaking, because really the ovulatory phase, also known as the fertile window, just is the time in which we can conceive. So we really only ovulate 
it, ovulation itself, the, the rupture of the follicle and the release of the egg takes about 15 minutes total for the egg to like get in the fallopian, get travel through the fallopian tube and to meet a sperm if sperm is there. Total takes like 24, maximum 36 hours. Well, that's how long the egg is alive, that is. So if you do have unprotected sex in the five days leading up to ovulation, sperm can actually stay alive. So you include those five days that sperm can stay alive before ovulation, and then you include that 24 to 36 hours that an egg can stay alive. That gives you your, you know, six or so day fertile window. Now you can track this. You can use ovulation trips. I don't do that. I use my basal body thermometer to track my BBT because it spikes and it stays elevated after ovulation. So once you've seen that your temperature has risen for three days in a row, you know, okay, I already ovulated. So now I'm safe. I'm in my safe days, right? Unless you want to get pregnant, then you know, through my safe days because I don't want to get pregnant yet. <laughs> Gosh, there's, I mean, it's such a short phase, but there's so much more I could say about this. Your energy is at its absolute peak. Our face structure changes literally to be more symmetrical on a primal instinctual level. This is because this is the time for mating, right? So generally, this is when we are really like attracted to other people too. You'll notice like anything that my boyfriend does during this time is just like really sexy to me. Say more. Yeah. About the face changing because I just, the way that I view myself leading up to my period, we'll talk about that next phase. I always think to myself, my face is changing. Like, Mm. I just don't feel like very beautiful anymore in, you know, a traditional sense, let's say. And so tell me more, like our face changes. Yeah, our face becomes like, I mean, it's very minuscule. You're not going to see like, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden my eyes are lopsided. (laughs) But to other people, especially to like potential mates, because uh, our pheromones as well are something that's like a scent that people are very attracted to during this time. You're just like this vibrant being and your facial structure does change a little bit and it's a little bit more symmetrical. Again, not sure if you would notice that specifically as much as you would just be feeling the high of those hormones because testosterone is also highest during this time. So the feelings of confidence are really high. The feelings of like motivation and estrogen makes us feel very sexy. I think you're more so feeling that high from that, if that makes sense. Um, Usually this is the time too when like your skin is glowing and super vibrant. Again, for anyone listening who's like, I literally feel the exact opposite during that time, that would be because there's an imbalance going on. There's either too much of one hormone, too little of one hormone. Detoxification is sluggish, so therefore your body's not actually like utilizing and excreting hormones as it should be. So there are a lot of reasons why that could be happening. But this is something to look forward to because if everything is running smoothly, these are the benefits that you do reap. During, for example, ovulation, when testosterone, when all your hormones except for progesterone are at their peak so you're just feeling amazing and after ovulation that's when progesterone starts to kick in because the corpus luteum is a temporary gland that is formed from the ruptured follicle only that way do we produce our endogenous meaning like our own bodies progesterone progesterone is so lovely because it's like the calming hormone it's like the yin to the yang of estrogen and uh, it supports, you know, really great sleep and you're just, you're calmer, you're more zen. 
With that, I recommend to just kind of turn the dial, not off, but like turn it down a little bit on your life in terms of workouts, in terms of social engagements. It's really a time to, like I call it in terms of work, because I, I own my own business, so I really do try to tailor my business to my cycle, but I call it the phase of like crossing your T's and dotting your I's. It's like, it's a great time to like sit down and like do very kind of nitty gritty work. So finishing up projects, research for any of my uh, research girlies who are listening, or if you're still in school, this is a great time to really study. Our ability to retain information is the highest during the luteal phase. So there are so many ways that you can use that to your advantage in your work, school, and personal life. Our um, metabolic needs are a little bit higher during this time as well to keep up with the dramatic changes in hormones. And uh, so how to do that, there's like a number that has been going around a lot of like, on average, eat like 200 to 300 more calories. I am not someone who really lives by that. Uh, like the counting calories, I advise against it. I'm more so to say, number one, eat very nutrient-dense blood sugar balancing meals all the time, but especially during your luteal phase. Definitely not a phase to be trying a detox or a cleanse or anything like that. Like this is the time, again, I, I always believe by this, but at the very least during the luteal phase, I believe you should be eating three meals a day, snacks as needed, just eat when you're hungry and have a protein a fat and a complex carbohydrate at every single meal because that is the blood sugar balancing equation right there for meals. So no restriction ever, but especially not during this time. I do know women who, you know, they do want to try a, a seasonal functional medicine detox or, you know, some there's a difference between detoxification and cleanse, but whatever they want to try, I always recommend if you're going to try something new like that, try that when your stress resilience is higher and when your energy is higher during the follicular and ovulatory phases. Doing that during the luteal phase is just honestly a recipe for disaster. You'll probably experience PMS then and or painful periods and cramps when you have your period. So it's definitely time to kickstart the self-care, really nourish yourself on all fronts, and yeah, just, just start to go a little bit more inward. I mean, the luteal phase is 10 to 14 days long, so it's pretty long. A lot of people, myself included, usually feel pretty high energy during the first half because we have another second spike of estrogen. So like, we kind of like, oh, feel good. And then I've noticed for myself, it very quickly is like, okay, I'm tired. And I'm extra tired during my luteal phase and when I'm on my period if I do not give myself rest. If like the entire few weeks and cycle beforehand, I have just been going like a mad woman, then I always just feel like I've been hit by a sack of bricks. So I kind of going through that. I went through that last week. We have been traveling for two months, which has been very fun, but very stressful on the body. And so this cycle, the end of my luteal phase and the first few days of my period, I mean, I literally woke up and was like, I feel like hungover, even though I haven't drank in like years. <laughs> yeah. I feel really hungover. So just a sign to, to always take care of yourself. And if there's a, any phase where self-care is extra warranted, it would be the luteal phase for sure. So yeah, again, kind of just recap, estrogen is highest during the, the follicular half of the cycle and follicle stimulating hormone is high to gear up the, the, the follicles, which contain ovum eggs to get ready for ovulation. After ovulation happens, ovulation is like the big bang of the cycle, right? Like 
ovulation is arguably the healthiest part about our cycle because it's how we create our hormones, right? Like first we have the FSH and LH and estrogen and testosterone. All of these are getting higher in order to create ovulation. And we get all the benefits from those hormones. And then afterwards, once ovulation has occurred, then progesterone kicks in. And progesterone has so many benefits as well. Protective of your brain and of your neural health, protective of your nervous system. So every hormone works together. And there are so many more hormones than what I just named as well. (laughs) But, you know, those were just the main ones that really run the show for a woman's cycle in in her fertile years. And uh, they all work together. That's like a symphony, an orchestra together. One goes up, the other one goes down. They like really work and fluctuate together. Now, again, I'll say like if anyone's listening and feels discouraged because they don't feel that way throughout their cycle, it's it's okay. It's just a sign like there needs to be some repair work done within the body. So, so helpful. So I know for a lot of people listening to this, this may be the first time anyone has really broken this down in depth. So I really want to encourage you to like listen to it again and take some notes and continue to dive into your own research and build your own relationship with what you want to aspire for these phases to be like. And I love what you said. And I love how you even say like, or share that this last cycle for you leading up was like, whoa, I feel like I got hit by a bus in the morning, or I feel really hungover. And you're someone who I know, personally, does all of these things. You've devote and commit your life to this and our bodies really can be that sensitive and we can also get them back in balance with all these tools that you share and some more that we're going to share. And so like this is like a monthly opportunity to get things in check. And even for me, like I had months and months where I was so feeling so good and when the estrogen was spiking, I was feeling great. And now like I've just for a multitude of reasons in that uh, luteal phase, my PMS has like been terrible, breast pain and exhaustion and like really dark and depressive thoughts. And so I'm like, ding, 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 like I need to do some balancing and do some extra nourishing and slowing down here. And so let's talk about PMS and the most common symptoms that you see women experiencing today, because honestly, Every one of my girlfriends at some point, and these are people who are really committed to creating the most healthy life they can and committed to learning about their cycles, and even them are struggling or every few months are deeply struggling with PMS or like really dark, depressive thoughts before their period comes or breast tenderness or back pain. So what are you seeing and what are you finding is like most of the 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 top few reasons why people are struggling with such bad PMS. There are over 160 symptoms actually associated with PMS, but the most common ones across the board are the breast tenderness that you explained. So PMS, premenstrual syndrome. So there are a handful of symptoms that can happen also while you're on your period, but the ones that can happen before, usually the breast tenderness, the uh, acne, and, and that can not only just be, it, usually the hormonally based one is um, like your chin down, your chest, and like your back area. Fluid and water retention, so that bloating, that discomfort, which a lot of us have been told is, is normal, which it doesn't have to be, and especially not to like the extreme discomfort level. 
mood changes also very very common uh there's definitely something to be said though about the difference between like pms mood changes and pmdd uh which are two things that should be treated ultimately the same but some more uh measures to support those suffering with pmdd which is the really extreme you know depressive anger especially if anything suicidal like please please everyone get support asap uh with with a naturopath especially because they'll help you actually balance what's going on and what i mentioned what pmdd stands for for people yes no premenstrual dysphoric disorder so that one you know it's definitely not my like if i ever see someone with that i'll do everything that i can from a holistic standpoint but if anyone has those type of suicidal really really depressive thoughts i always outsource that for sure because that's definitely not something to be taken lightly and i definitely experienced that it wasn't pmdd specifically but when i was younger and really sick i experienced that so it's not something that i i take lightly and no one should but focusing just on PMS, I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say, like, there's there's two very separate things. So PMS, uh, more often than not, is they're actually due to those symptoms are due to nutrient deficiencies and mineral deficiencies. So let's talk about stress because most of us experience stress and what I just explained beforehand. I've been traveling for the last few months. So much fun. I'm so grateful, but also that causes a lot of stress on your body. I went to three different time zones or four different time zones. I was out of the country for a few weeks of it and very different climates every single time I was going to. I was totally out of my routine. And again, I was having a blast, but it was a lot on my body for sure. So stress is this interesting thing where stress inherently is not a bad thing, but it's chronic stress that causes inflammation, that causes dysregulation and imbalance within the body. Stress also depletes our minerals, our vitamins and minerals. So that's why a lot of women, it's like a domino effect. So like they're experiencing stress that depletes them of uh, various vitamins and minerals and also just wonks their nervous system out of place. And then that can cause PMS issues. So actually what I usually do with women who are experiencing PMS, I don't, well, first we just do like a really in-depth questionnaire and intake form. And I see if I can just figure out from that alone what's going on. Testing wise, I actually very rarely run um hormone panels uh i i will of course but actually usually what i do is the htma the hair tissue mineral analysis test and see where the deficiencies are and it just gives like a much bigger picture of what's going on because you're taking hair or nail samples which i find to be a little bit more reliable than blood so that's usually the cause that i see it's more so the like nutrients first of course hormones play a role but also like hormones are just chemical messengers so you know why is for example if someone's experiencing pms like why do you have really high levels of estrogen and low levels of progesterone so it's never just like oh those two are the ones that need to be fixed it's like well yes but like what's underneath even that is it really really high stress and or the nutrient deficiencies are is your gut struggling are you dealing with any type of gut dysregulation do you have a sluggish liver is your liver not detoxifying properly so your thyroid as well like is, how is your thyroid doing the queen of metabolism so it's always so much more than hormones hormones are really just like the messengers the chemical messengers that give us insights as to like how the organs and systems are doing within the body and mind. 
So this is, I think, could be really relieving for people. And this really was for me because hormones obviously are so hot right now as they should be. And it's such a huge topic of conversation. If you are have Instagram and you, you know, follow anybody in wellness, people are talking about hormones and nervous system regulation. And I really love how you just very clearly are like, this is not necessarily, it could be, yes, like a hormone issue, but really it's what the focus is, is nutrients and vitamins. And then obviously like your daily lifestyle, like sleep and reducing stress that can support you. And to me, that just sounds actually so much more simple for some reason, because hormones, I'm like, what even is a hormone versus vitamins and nutrients and minerals? I'm like, okay, like those are things that I can add into my life. And so talk to me though about the testing, because I struggled I've never said this on the podcast, but I will because I know there's people who are experiencing this uh, for a year. In one year, I had 10 yeast infections and I was eating so clean. I was like doing all the things and it was completely debilitating. Went to every doctor. And honestly, it's still so shocking to me. Every single time I go to a non-holistic gynecologist, Mm -hmm. they're still recommending birth control, which I'd love if we have time to just touch on for a moment. The point of this is, is that it wasn't until I got labs done by a functional medicine doctor or integrative doctor that they really were able to pinpoint what those nutrient deficiencies were in me and what organs those were related to and what was congested and building, you know, a buildup of certain hormones and not enough of the other, et cetera. And the reality is, is that the the way that doctors and mainstream society look at labs is completely different than the way that functional medicine practitioners and people like Maddie will look at them. So if you can just speak to that, because I I see so many women wasting so much money and so much time going to all of these doctors who are saying that there's nothing wrong with them or just slapping a diagnosis on them or slapping them with birth control and not actually getting to the root of what is going on with them. Yeah. So I think I understand your question, but I will speak on the like traditional allopathic doctors, Western medicine. If you go into your traditional doctor, you get labs run. Usually, most likely, it's going to be either urine or serum blood. And they, so generally speaking, doctors who have been trained in like the Western allopathic model, they look at labs and they look at humans very black and white so it's like either you do have high cholesterol or you don't have high cholesterol either you do have high estrogen or you don't have high estrogen you know etc etc i could name a bunch of different examples when in reality oh also i'll say they also ignore a lot of things i think they're starting to come around to like gut testing and obviously how important the gut is but they're still learning a lot and some things they just completely ignore and don't even like acknowledge but humans aren't it's never just like yes or no there's a huge range and so when you are running functional labs then you'll see that there's a range right so and then it's also interpretation so when you're working with a naturopath or 
an integrative doctor or a functional doctor, etc. What we do is if you are on the low end of that range or the high end of that range, we still, we work on it, right? Because we want to get things at a healthier range, more in the middle and balanced. Because clearly, like the only reason why you're in here, why you're getting tests is because you don't feel well. So to hear like, oh, nope, you actually, you're not on the like one end of the extreme. So therefore you're just totally fine. No, that's again, that's not how the human body works. We're not machines. So there's this whole area in between either being super sick where you're bedridden and being like totally healthy. Um, there's a, there's a in between. So that's that's like the main difference. The hair tissue mineral analysis test, just to like explain what that is, you're taking your hair sample or your nails and we're able to see just like literally exactly what is going on currently and has been for like the last handful of months within your body on a nutrient, a mineral level, pathogens in your body. And, you know, our vitamins and minerals also tell us so much about like the body's metabolic type and functioning, about how the liver is functioning and detoxifying your gut health and potential you know pathogens such as like parasite or bacterial overgrowth etc oh and then you asked about uh, yeast infections <laughs> i was like i know remember there was another thing too yeast infections so that always gut health you're, you have a vaginal microbiome. I actually have a whole podcast episode on this. So your vaginal microbiome is very closely linked and related to your gut microbiome. So it's just about nourishing the gut. Unfortunately, the traditional treatment for yeast infections, any type of, you know, BV or dysbiosis within the vaginal tract is our probiotics, not probiotics, should be uh, one of them, but our antibiotics. And that actually further worsens the problem. So when I was on birth control, because birth control really messes with both the gut and the, the vaginal microbiomes, I also experienced a lot of yeast infections during the six years that I was on hormonal birth control pills. Every single time I was just given antibiotics, which further worsened the problem so i was just coming back in back in back in which i'll let everyone in on a little secret here that's what the system wants right they want you to keep coming back in so anyway that's definitely not the fix um at all it's just a very vicious cycle uh you know we you wanted to talk about birth control too and the side effects so we can get into that but one of them for sure is the the gut dysbiosis and vaginal dysbiosis as well so no wonder why you would be more susceptible to you know, getting that yeast overgrowth or bacterial overgrowth. So, but yeah, the the pill is not the answer. It's actually the cause in mo- more cases than not. And antibiotics are not the answer either. Um, a good rule of thumbs, everyone has to do what feels best for them. But a good, like how I live my life is I will use antibiotics only when it is life-saving and everything else I will do, you know, number one, preventative medicine every single day and just taking care of myself as to prevent anything from happening. But shit happens. I'm human. I'm, you know, got COVID, uh, you know, twice now. And, you know, I, I really, I said that because I don't really get sick otherwise, but I did get it twice. <laughs> and uh, luckily they had over a year in between. But, you know, I, again, I personally myself, like whenever I get sick, I make the assessment of like, do I need life-saving support right now or can I do all natural healing, which takes a little bit longer sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't though, but it will be lasting as well, you know? So everyone just has to make that assessment for themselves. And when it comes to yeast infections, I'm just always like tackle it right away 
and do it naturally and also take that as a sign to support your gut health because not only will it support your vaginal health but supporting your gut health will just support the health of your overall mind and body so there's no harm in taking care of your guts <laughs> i will say too i always like to share this because i think when people are in such bad states of like PMS or dealing with a yeast infection and you want something so quick, it's so tempting and tantalizing to do anything that's going to provide provide you with some temporary immediate relief. Mm -hmm. And when I started to really learn and understand what antibiotics were doing to our body, and I went to my gynecologist, this was like 2019 or 2018, I want to say, and she was like, this is so bad. This has been going on so long. She recommended like one of like the highest doses of antibiotics you could be prescribed. We're talking like a life-saving antibiotic. And she's like the strain of what you have and how long it's been going on. Like this is what you need. This was also the woman that put me on birth control when I was 14 because I had bad cramps. Um, Goodness. (laughs) All the things. But anyways, and I, in that moment, I was like, no. Like I just knew based on what I researched that I would be back here. And not that this woman like necessarily wanted me to come back, but the system that she was taught in does want you to come back. Like it's a large part of that. And it's very sad, but it is the truth. And so I said no. And I got my labs done and I went on. It was at that point, I think it was like a three or four month gut healing protocol and had like natural herbs and different, you know, things that were tailored to me in my labs. And I went back and retested and she prescribed it for me. I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm not going to get into it with this woman knowing I would not ever pick it up from the pharmacy. And I come back to retest to see if I still had this bacteria and whatnot. And she was like, oh, I'm so happy you took the antibiotic. (laughs) That was like such this most supportive move for you. And I was like, I didn't take it. And I healed myself. And I was like, I think that you should be recommending to people that they can get rid of this thing that was you told me was incurable unless I took an antibiotic and she just laughed. So, oh my like, gosh, well good for you. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy that you said something. Yeah, and I just I share this because like it really is possible even if people, you know, and like Maddie said, like if somebody's like this is going to save your life, obviously like take right. me to a doctor, take me to a surgeon, give yeah. me the antibiotics, like please don't take me to an acupuncturist. Joe Dispenza always says that, like if I get hit by a car, like don't take me to a car. <laughs> But we take a new surgeon. At least not at first. Yeah, exactly. At least not at first. Yeah. <laughs> Later on when the healing kicks in. Yeah. So if we could just briefly touch on like what does birth control actually do? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people on it may not know. So what is it actually doing to your body? Yes. I will explain birth control side effects. First, I, I do just want to say before we close up that previous little loop that I, I'm not bashing allopathic medicine, but I think there's a time and place for both forms of medicine. So in an ideal world, we would use allopathic medicine for what it is best at. What it is best at is surgery. So surgical procedures, those like life-saving, you know, whether it's a life-saving medication or a life-saving procedure, they're great at that, right? But going to your traditional doctor and expecting them to like know about proper functional supplementation or lab testing or herbal medicine or giving a damn about nutrition, etc. It's just like going to 
an interior designer and asking them to do some plumbing work for your house. It's like they're just completely different professions, you know? So, of course, yes, there are the the dark sides to uh, allopathic medicine and, and to big pharma specifically. Of course, there's that. And I do not ignore that. But, you know, putting that all aside and just looking at the, at the two forms of medicine, naturopathy and Western medicine as uh, just a whole, there's a time and place for both. I think that naturopathy should be used way more. It should be uh, just the norm for every single family and individual and household to have a naturopath in their in their life that they can go see for their checkups, for preventative medicine, for my ladies who want to get pregnant, to see a midwife, like to build your community up with the naturopaths people in that space. I don't have it hanging up right now, but have this awesome it's right behind me this awesome like massive 24 by 36 inch uh breakdown of the two uh medical systems and actually my boyfriend's brother got it for me for my birthday it was like the greatest present and i just ordered a frame so it'll be up in my office soon but it's just really cool because it goes to show like again both can be used but you just need to know when to use which and naturopathy should be used so much more right so anyway (laughs) birth control. So birth control, gosh, what a business birth control is. If anyone hasn't seen it, go watch the documentary, The Business of Birth Control. It is mind-boggling and it will break down birth control, what it does for you or what it does to you. And even beyond that though, it really gives like the insight into birth control as a business and big pharma. You get some insight into some meetings that, uh, you know, parents whose daughter's passed away while on birth control are like talking to the heads of these boards you know for these pharma companies and it's just crazy watch it highly recommend everyone i also have a bunch of resources on hormonal birth control i have an episode or two even on what birth control does all the all the forms of birth control right because there's the pill iud even with iud there's there's the hormonal iud there's the copper iud there's the shot there's the implant so there's the patch there are so many things (laughs) so go listen to my episodes because i really break down each of them i talk about the pros and the cons because yes everything has you know two sides to it right so i talk openly about the pros and the cons and i talk in a whole other episode just about fertility awareness and the symptothermal method which is a form of fertility awareness that is the most effective it's more effective than birth control pills actually when done properly anyway definitely head over to my website we'll link it up i'm sure in in the description of this because i have hours and hours of, of information for you all some very common symptoms of birth control that people experience is the hair loss overall the slowing down of the thyroid and metabolic function and all that that impacts everything from digestion to your skin health to your gut health. I mentioned this before, it definitely impacts the gut microbiome. We see now that it impacts as well as the nervous system by impacting negatively the vagus nerve. It especially depending on what time you start, uh, what age you start taking birth control really, really impacts brain and brain development as well, which is why I'm very passionate passionately against putting young girls on birth control because, you know, our brains are still developing then. And so to put, you know, a woman on a birth control pill that they're taking every single day is just, it's not good in my book. So 
those are the main ones for sure. And nutrient depletion as well. And as we mentioned before, nutrients are everything. So just alone by it impacting our nutrient restores and our nutrient reserves and our nutrient stores, it, it just impacts a lot. And that's why a lot of us just don't feel good on the pill. Our mood is low. Perhaps we have brain fog and our cognitive function isn't very high functioning. Our hair is falling out. Our skin is breaking out. Anything that we eat just causes a reaction and we feel bloated, etc. So those are some key hitters. But yeah, so anyway, that's to conclude like the most common side effects of, of birth control are that. And we're still discovering so much, right? Because going back to what we said at the beginning, women have been left out of medical trials and studies for so long. And birth control as well is not a very old thing, you know? Like, I mean, in general, medications and, and big pharma is still in its infancy in many ways. It has not been around nearly as long, like literally not even close to as long as like herbal medicine, right? And naturopathy. I mean, herbal medicine itself has been all over the world in various different cultures for thousands of years. So, you know, medications and research studies have a lot of catching up to do and women need to be represented more in the research. So we're still learning a lot more is that's all to say, like there's more coming out and we'll continue to discover and maybe we'll eventually decide, you know, birth control should not be prescribed anymore, right? Like various things have been taken off the market, also put back on, which when they shouldn't have. Everyone go watch that documentary, please. <laughs> it's so powerful and it, it explains a lot of this very, very powerfully. I know there's so much more we can talk about, but in the sake of time, I would say watch the documentary if you are listening to this and you're still on birth control or if you just got off and you're not getting your period right now like Maddie is such a wealth of knowledge of how to get back into that balance. So I would say to wrap up, I want to just share something personal that I imagine you get on social media, which also, by the way, like follow Maddie. I think it's it's at the Maddie Miles, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You are such a ray of sunshine on Instagram, like truly, like your approach to something as important as women's health and periods is so refreshing mm -hmm. and so just it it makes it feel very doable to me to like actually live this way and not overwhelming and it you know you give offerings of recipes and different things to support yourself at different you know stages of your cycle but it never feels dogmatic and it never feels like oh well if i don't eat as many carbs during this period like i'm going to be i'm like going to be all messed up like it's totally natural and real. And one of the things about your social media that I love so much, which I know other people love because they always get a ton of likes and comments and shares. Is I know when, what you're going to say. Is yeah. that what you're going <laughs> Yep. And if you could just tell everybody a bit about what it was like, really, like, did you have to get him on board with your cycle? Or was this just like, well, I live this way. This is my relationship with myself. You are dating, you know, or married to wait, are you married or dating? No, we're dating. Okay, sorry. <laughs> if that's who you are, you are dating like four different women throughout the month. And none is better than the other. None is, you know, sexier, better, you know, more valuable. Like these are the four stages of me. And if you're going to be my life partner, and we're going to live together, then you need to be aware of this and not only be aware of it, not only not think it's taboo, not only make me not feel weird about it, but support me 
in my life and in supporting me as a woman who menstruates. So tell me like what that experience has been like with you and your partner. Yeah. So Braxton is my boyfriend. He's amazing. And what was really important for me when I was, you know, I actually wasn't even looking for uh, a partner when I, when Braxton and I met, but what was really important for me, I knew was a value of mine, you know, when I did find this person is that he needed to be committed to self-growth and needed to already be on that path himself. And I also just knew realistically the person that I am going to attract and vice versa is already going to be like that because number one, I don't, I'm not placed in situations with people who are outside of that. Like I call them vibe bubbles, you know? So already like the way that I was living my life was already presenting me with people who have like very similar values. And so Brax and I met like at a mutual friends yoga event on Zilker Park, you know, and he was already interested and and he was already a part of, you know, Fit for Service, which is this awesome like organization based out of here in Austin. And it's, yeah. Do you know what Fit for Service is? Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, I don't even, I still, I was never a part of it. I still don't really know how to explain it, but anyway, they're all really cool people (laughs) and on this self-growth journey. And he was already a part of that. So he was already dedicating a lot of his time, his energy and money to just like, you know, working on himself. And also I wanted to be with someone who's always doing the work and never thinks like, oh, we've made it right. Because I've done a lot of healing, a lot of inner work. And, you know, on a professional level, I've, you know, achieved a lot, but I know that I'm nowhere near done and it's a lifelong journey. So that was really important for me too. So anyway, also Braxton was just like enamored by me and he wanted to learn about this stuff because it was me, you know, it's a part of who I am just as much as he wanted to learn about like, you know, my likes and my interest and my family and like where I've traveled to. It was just like that was a part of the bunch of things that he wanted to learn about me was my cycle. And, you know, it's it's obviously incredibly important, you know, because he knows when he needs to show up more. He knows when he needs to ask those questions of like, okay, what can I do for you like right now? You know, let me guess because you're on your period. I need to go walk Colby. That's our dog. I need to go walk Colby. I need to go pick up new food for her. I am going to cook us a really yummy, nourishing dinner. So, you know, he just understands me more. And likewise, you know, like I also understand him and I make sure that I also care about his hormones, you know, and how he can optimize himself. And so it's it's just respect. It comes down to respect and love for each other. So I've never had to like force him to learn about it. It's always just been a part of our relationship because it's a part of me. So yeah. <laughs> and And he's great. I mean, like, again, we both are always growing and evolving. But that was just the biggest thing for me is I was like, I can't date someone who like, eats fast food all the time and doesn't take care of their emotional health and, you know, like shuns female cycles, you know, like that also those type of people and I live such opposite lives that we don't really come into contact with each other. So yeah, I actually, I mean, luckily Braxton came into my life at a really great time and that was two and a half years ago. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't like I'm not like a dating coach. I don't really have any advice, but I also don't feel like someone needs a coach to like tell them, you know, how to yeah. find their partner. It's like just go to the places that like align with your yourself and your values and see who's there. Well, 
I also think like, honestly, most of coaching to me, like good coaches are just embodied people who mm-hmm. are actually just living the way that they want to be teaching people to live. And that's why I asked you, like, there was no part of you that thought that you had to like sit him down and hold him. <laughs> Tie him to the chair. Learn yeah. this. <laughs> um, or like, you know, send him to the place to get your, you know, tampons or whatever it is, you know, 30 times for like exposure therapy. Like, no. <laughs> It's more so that I just want women to hear that this should be the norm. Like, absolutely. 10 years from now, or, you know, sooner, this question would (laughs) never even be asked because every partner is educated and is supporting their partner. And it's just really beautiful and really inspiring. And something that I'm really looking forward to in my next relationship is having that because I cultivated that relationship with myself. So yes, yeah, you will find it. Of course. Yeah. I mean, when you are like fully living, like your truth and like practicing what you preach, which I was for sure at the time that B and I met, you know, like, because before that, like I, have struggled a lot throughout my life with self-worth and confidence. And I have a history of an eating disorder when I was younger and anxiety and depression and insomnia. So uh, it's taken me a long time to like understand myself. So I needed to really know myself before Braxton came into my life. Don't get me wrong. I dated plenty of people beforehand, but it was never, it never lasted because I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't even know who I was. How could I know what I wanted, you know, and how could I be like in a secure spot when I was like, you know, struggling with my health and struggling with my self-identity. So yeah, live and practice what you preach and just be your full self and see who shows up. And uh, yeah, if they they make sense for you, then try it out. (laughs) Really such a gift to so many women. If you would like to share how people could connect with you and also a bit about Peace Love Hormones and what you have offering there for people who are really looking to bring more balance to their cycles, I'd love for you to take a minute to just share that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone connect with me on Instagram. I'm at the Maddie Miles. Peace Love Hormones is just Peace Love Hormones on Instagram. And my podcast is on both Spotify and on Apple. It's just Peace Love Hormones. I'm making it easy for you all. <laughs> the website, our website is Peace Love Hormones. That's where you can find my tinctures. I have three. They're all organic. They are extracted how they're supposed to be extracted. Our maceration process is about three months long. And we use organic sugarcane ethanol, a little bit of organic vegetable glycerin just for a little bit of sweetness and uh, natural sweetness and then uh, filtered water. So it's very, very simple, but very potent. My herbal combinations and formulas have been used for some of them have been used for centuries for women's health specifically, for our reproductive health and functioning, to support ovulation, to regulate our hormones, to prevent PMS, etc. So I have Soothe, which is very hormone and fertility uh, focused. Also fertility, it's just to clear it up. Even if you never want to get pregnant, when I say fertility, that's just your reproductive functioning. So it supports overall fertility. 
And I have bitters, which is more for liver detoxification and gut health, which again is going to also like a beautiful side effect of that will be hormone health and cycle health and period health. But that one's for targets your liver and your gut specifically, those two organs. And then sleepy is my third one. That's for nervous system support. It does calm you down. So it's great to take before bed. Valerian has um, different effects on everyone. For some people, it makes them a little drowsy and tired. So that's why I recommend taking it before bed. Other people, it does not have that effect on them. It just has a very calming uh, effect on them. So some people, I one of my really good friends, she's a naturopath doctor in uh, Canada. She takes sleepy whenever she feels stressed. So she's like, sometimes I take it three times throughout the day. So because valerian doesn't have that sedative effect on her. But I take it every single night before bed. It really just helps, you know, when you take these tinctures for a really long time. It works as preventative medicine as well. So I definitely feel so much more resilient to stress ever since incorporating uh, sleepy specifically. I mean, I was drinking those herbs in my own concoctions for years before I actually made it into, you know, something that I can offer on my store. So those are the three and more to come in the future. I'm actually working on a cramp specific one right now because a lot of women struggle with period cramps and I ironically got period cramps for the first time as I was in the depths of developing this formula. And I was like, holy shit. And it was good though that I that I had them because I am able to sympathize more, you know, because I, holy shit, really bad. It woke me up in the middle of the night. And so I came down into my office and I started, you know, I was like, okay, you know what? This is, it, I was kind of putting it off at this time. This is last year. I was putting off like the development of it. I had done all the research and the nitty gritty, but I had put off like actually concocting the remedies you know, just because it takes a lot of energy and I wasn't feeling it at the time. And I woke up at two in the morning with raging period cramps and I was like, we are doing this. So uh, after a few hours of trying various things, I finally had a very specific formula and combination and dosage that actually worked. And so we'll be pushing through with that in the very early new year. So January or February of 2024, <laughs> um, that will be the fourth tincture. So excited. I mean, read her reviews. Seriously. It like these things work. It's actually crazy on my list to buy right now. I'm like going through all the things and I was like, okay, wait, I need to buy these two. Um, so I'll give you my update. I'm just so grateful. Like talk about somebody who is just doing good in the world. Oh, thank you. Like truly the lives that you're changing, the level of like Helping women really take their power back and rewrite and completely lose this narrative that we're crazy. Like one thing that just keeps playing through my mind, which is my biggest takeaway from this is the time in our cycle, the time in our month that society has deemed is our crazy time is literally biologically and from our brain, the most intuitive time that we have. And I mean, that has been played out for centuries. Let's talk about like the witch trials and Mm -hmm. all of these things where it's like women who are connected to themselves and to a source beyond to love and to other people, you know, are sometimes just deemed crazy and you're not. You're just a woman with hormones. Yeah. Well, you know, when someone is so powerful, I I think it's especially scary for the unhealed man it's very 
threatening to have a very powerful woman. And so, yeah, I mean, gosh, we'll have to come on for part two about the witch trials because, yeah, we could talk about, you know, beyond that, even way what? My favorite topics ever. Oh, my gosh. Well, we were just in Europe and we were I forget exactly where because we went to a few different countries. I can't remember which one we we're in, but someone like our tour guide was like talking about like, oh, yeah. And like every year we have this, you know, celebration of the burning of the witch. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? Um, And I was like, all right, I'm clearly not accepted. Um, But anyway, obviously, it's, you know, I people nowadays celebrate things and don't even understand why they're celebrating them. It's just an excuse to party. So I didn't take it personally. But yeah, another episode. We'll have to talk about all of the trauma that has been done to women and especially women healers throughout time but you know there's a huge uprising i know so flipping many women who are healers in various ways uh so it's really beautiful to see so everyone thank you so much for listening to me talk for an hour plus and thank you so much samantha for for having me on as well it's such an honor to be able to talk about this in all capacities so i never turned down a podcast guest opportunity because it's such a beautiful conversation and every conversation is so different as well so thank you for providing this space for me to talk about it all thank you so much maddie everybody get in touch and reference the show notes on exactly how you can get involved and buy the products that they call to listen to the pod in all the ways thank you so much